Welcome to the Ball Guy Beer Reviews episode 2. My name's Alan. With me is... I'm Chris. He is also the co-host. We'll be doing a little interview with Chris, founding member of Bald Guy Beer Reviews, after our beer review today. Today we have Lone Pines OJ for you. Yeah. I just took a sip. It's very, very good. Very citrusy. Very orange. It uh, lives up to its name. I've, I've yet to take a sip on this one. This one is quite fresh from the brewery. It is right up in that peak time. So we're really excited here to get this one fresh for you. Yeah, it has a date printed on the bottom. Uh, it was canned on October 11th, so about five weeks ago. Uh, yeah, pretty good. Still drinking really, really good. Yeah, I'm really getting those citrus notes right now. Tasting nice and crisp, getting the quote-unquote OJ vibes from this one here. Yeah, I really like the color, the way it looks in the glass, too. It's very, very vibrant, uh, golden, a little bit lighter than uh, school bus yellow. Uh, I know we don't have video yet on the show. We're working on it. We'll, we'll get it there. Don't worry. One of these next upcoming podcasts, you'll see our lovely bald heads in this one. So, Well, we're amateurs, all right? We're not getting paid to do this yet, so this is where we're at. Uh, but yeah, it's definitely like a little bit lighter than school bus yellow, I would say, and it has a nice... This one looks like it's going to have some nice lacing. The, the, foam, the foam on top looks nice. Yeah, it's definitely got a nice haze to it, too, for all you haze people out there that, you know, just don't like that beer, that little bit extra if it's clear. Yeah, the old school IPA. No, this is 100% new school New England IPA. Yeah, this is definitely new school New England. Um, We're going to go ahead and give you our rating in a second, but we'll just run down the system for you again if you haven't listened to episode one. So we're going to drink the beer, we're going to rate it, and then we're going to give it a score. Scoring system goes zero to ten. Anything being in, you know, three, five range or under, probably not going to be drinking anything like that, but that's going to be resulting from some sort of manufacturing, processing error. Something was wrong with the beer itself. You know, five to six, you know, okay, middle of the road beer, you know, all right. Seven, you know, that's a good beer. Most likely you buy it again. Eights, your nines, we're talking world-class beers here. Starting something you're really going to want to run out and try. Yeah, go to great lengths to get. Yeah, if if we give you a nine here, I'm going to tell you right now, I'll personally run out and buy a case of that one. If anything's over that, case all day for me. Yeah, I actually, it'll be for another time, but I drank a beer that I gave, that I would give like an 8-8 just last night, and it was pretty awesome. But it was Hill Farmstead, so. And I bet you he didn't bring any of those back, so that tells you that for us. No, it was draft only, so. Boo. Boo. I will tell you, if you haven't been up there, go up there. All right, but we got OJ sitting in front of us. Yeah, I mean, so OJ, uh, Lone Pine, very small brewery, or used to be very small brewery, just located in Portland. I think their production facility is now in Gorham, Maine, and they're and they're cranking out uh, pretty high volume. Uh, used to not really be able to get them in New Hampshire, and now you can pretty much get them at every craft beer shop. And um, you can get these even in a market basket anywhere now. Yeah. This is this is literally any place that's going to carry craft beer is going to have OJ for you. And every once in a while, I you know they'll have the OJ variant, the double dry hop, or you know if they throw the mosaic or something else, and they'll get one of those. But Yep. This is a solid quality beer you can pick up anywhere in the state. 
Yeah. And you know, the other thing too, that I really like about OJ is it used to be just one of their, I mean, they've always had it in their rotation. I'm, I'm pretty sure. Um, but it wasn't always available. Like when you went to the brewery in Portland, uh, that was really before, um, they got bigger. That was like the only place you could get Lone Pine, or at least that I knew to get it. And, um, OJ wasn't always there because it was super popular. And so now that they've opened up that production facility in Gorham and, and you know, the other thing too, that I've liked to see is that it hasn't, I remember what OJ was years ago when they were just brewing out of Portland in their small system. And as they've scaled it up production and it hasn't lost any, it hasn't taken a step backwards, you know? So I know they're not cutting the corners on it. Yeah. I'll tell you, I haven't had this one in a while and uh, definitely it was pleasant tasting and it was like you're reconnecting with a lost friend here. Yeah. Um, definitely a solid choice. You're never going to go wrong if you pick up a four pack of OJ. No, no, it's my wife's favorite beer, and she's currently pregnant, so can't drink it, so she's very disappointed, but... I'm guessing that's why I came over to my house and didn't sit in your refrigerated taunter. Yes, that's pretty much it, but uh, all right, I'm, I think I've settled in on my number. I've kind of been talking to, as I've been mulling it over. Uh, I'm going to go 7-2. Yeah, that's a pretty good score right there. I was going back and forth with a couple numbers myself. Um I don't know if it's because we're just drinking this fairly fresh, tasting super peak. Haven't had in a while, but I'm going to come in with the 7-3 on the OJ. Yeah, I mean, this is a super solid go-to if, I don't know about anybody else out there, but especially now that you can get a lot of craft beer, uh, we mentioned, Alan had mentioned that you know you can get OJ in Market Basket now. That's actually where I got this four-pack. And as I stare at the wall of craft beer, oftentimes I find myself being like, well, I've had most everything on the, on this wall and I, this will be one of the ones that I'll reach for, uh, more often than not, if I'm looking for something solid. Yeah, I agree with you. I think you know what you're getting with OJ. Um, there's no surprises. It's going to be an enjoyable beer and, uh, definitely something you're always willing to repeat. Yeah. hundred percent. Uh, there's not, I mean, and it's not because the beers are lacking, so I don't mean to seem elitist when I say this, but I don't repeat many beers just because there are so many choices now that I love trying new things regardless. So, But this yeah, is a beer that I repeat. I agree with you. I do like to try the new things, um, what's new, but sometimes when you're not sure and you want to have something you guarantee you're going to like, this is a beer you can always count on. Yeah, and at only five weeks old, it's, I mean... We'll we'll talk about this in future segments of the show, but I have I'm very opinionated about New England IPAs and shelf life and and how I won't drink them past a certain point. And this is right in the sweet spot uh, for me. And that's a story for an, for another show. So yeah, we'll certainly go around. over that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, this is this is in the sweet spot at, at five weeks, or at least in in my humble opinion. And uh, oh man, it's great. So yeah, we'll, we'll definitely talk about that in the future, but uh, IPAs, they would definitely change over time. Yeah, but this one is, is smelling great too. Like, oh man, it, it, it really smells. It has that orange citrusy smell on it too. I don't normally, I'm not a, a beer sniffer. Uh, you know what I mean? I'll, I can smell it as I'm drinking it. Same. I'm, I'm not measuring the head either, but I'll tell you the head lasted on this for a while and it had quite good aromas coming off of it. You know, it's just been a pleasurable beer all the way around today. Yeah. So final scores are 7-2 from me. 7-3 from Alan. All right, Lone Pine, thank mm. you very much. We'll be tagging you in the post. Ooh. Keep up the good work. Yep.
So. All right, now we're transitioning here to the interview portion of today's podcast, episode 2. With me, we're very lucky to have Christopher Lind. He is co-founder of Ball Guy Beer Reviews. He's worked in the beer industry, in the cider industry, and he has quite a knowledge of craft beer and enjoyment of it. Are we lucky, though? Yeah, we're going to go ahead and say lucky for now, but we'll see after this episode. Yeah, we'll see. That's it. I'm going to have to earn that, I guess. But yeah, I'm I'm happy to be on the interview side this time and looking forward to it. All right, Chris. So first thing I want to ask you is what brought you into the world of craft beer? Yeah, amazingly, I didn't, I kind of entered craft beer almost immediately upon drinking. I was a freshman up at Plymouth State. I didn't really drink because uh, I didn't drink in high school and you know, I had a couple of the rough ones, you know, the Keystones and a couple bottles of Mogan David, a.k.a. Mad Dog. <laughs> and uh, anyway, one of my buddies, he didn't go to college after high school. And I remember, uh, you know, we had gotten together for New Year's and he had Sierra Nevada Pale Ale. And I was like, oh, let me try that. And I had never had anything remotely like that before. My whole beer drinking experience at this point had been light Keystone. Or, or like, you know, or, you know, like the general light loggers yeah, out like there and the mass produced, yeah, you know, standard bush. across the country, get it everywhere. Yeah. And so that like blew, like, like blew me away. Uh, the bitterness was almost too much for me, which is kind of laughable now, but I, I'm going to go ahead and agree with you there. I, I remember when I had that and the bitterness was almost turned me off to IPAs initially. Yeah. But then unbelievably, like just in, a, in three short months, I was like crushing torpedoes from Sierra Nevada, <laughs> which is like the super bitter West Coast uh, IPA because uh, New England IPAs hadn't risen to prominence at the time. But that's what kind of got me into it. And then I started just drinking Sam's from there because I even though at this point I had started, you know, drinking, I didn't really drink often. Um, it just wasn't like, yeah, and if, I wasn't for, I wasn't, I've never really been a volume guy. No, if you're not a volume guy, it's easier to spend a couple extra dollars here or there, especially as a poor college student. Yeah. So I was on the six pack train of like Sam Adams and then I just started trying stuff. And then at, at that point it could become, what can I try? And then I'm from Hooksit and then 2009 Burt's Better Beers opened Uh shout out to Burt. If you yeah. ever listens to this great, great beer shop and yeah, I just went crazy from there. Like then I would just spend time perusing the shelves. And just yeah, I'll actually of- say that Burt's Better Beers too. When I was here, you know, you, great selection. Nothing like that existed around here at that time, or I can't think of anywhere in the state where you could get that many different craft beers that were distributed here in one place. Mm-hmm. And it was just that spot you go walk around. They had sample some days and it, it was just really a great place to experience some beers yeah i don't know that they do it anymore but yeah you also have weekly tastings like yeah, a brewery I, would come in and do a do a tasting i, I think with that uh, the covid that stopped for a little bit but i don't know if it'll be back again but it, it was, it was some was great time. times there yeah 100 percent. so yeah and so i just kind of followed i don't know about other people's paths but i feel like a pretty common path was so nowadays it's different because New England IPA is a, is a really uh, popular style. But for me, like it was IPAs and then I got into stouts. And then from stouts, I started uh, kind of dipping my feet into wild beers and farmhouse ales. And then I eventually kind of came full circle back to the lager. But now instead of Keystone Light, Bush Light, Miller Low Life, you know, Milwaukee's Beast, I'm going like 
craft lager from like Jack's Abbey or yeah. something. Uh, at that time, uh, I don't think Jack's Abbey was around, but it's something akin to that. Yeah, right? they, they evolved out into it. But I, I know what you're talking about, the different, the lagers out there, which, you know, you're getting that little different vibe, the little, I don't know, I always feel like there's a little extra crispness from the craft boys. Yeah, because it's like brewed, yeah, it's not mass produced to make a lot of money and they actually put quality. <laughs> quality quality ingredients, what a shock. Yeah. <laughs> don't get yeah. me wrong, you hit me a Bud Light, I'll still drink it, but... Um, well, it, yeah. The, the craft boys certainly you can taste the difference so if you have a friend out there who doesn't really like craft beer give them a lager that's close to what they're drinking might get them on the bandwagon yeah so that was like that was my evolution i feel like that's a great answer there chris really gives us a nice insight onto that so right now if you could pop any beer in front of you what would it be oh man so i suffer immensely from recency bias so it was whatever that was outstanding that i had recently uh no you know we reviewed oj this episode but if i could pop any beer right now in front of me it'd be charlie by hill farmstead it was a 1.7 percent farmhouse ale and it was like juice it was unbelievable like it was the whole experience you're making me jealous right now just hearing about that well uh, weekend up to stowe We'll do we'll do that for you. Can't go wrong. Can't go wrong. Nope. Especially all the the draft hill farms did you start trickling across out there. Oh yeah, Every, I mean, yeah. I've not had that, but I can't fault anything with the description or based on what you're saying. So I'm gonna ahead and go with great answer. Yeah. So we'll follow that up with another question here. What would you tell somebody thinking about working in the beer industry, knowing that you've had several jobs in the past in the industry? What would you tell them about either wanting to, dissuading them, steps to take? Um, Yeah, steps to take. I don't know that it's that easy to break into the industry. A lot of operations um, are are very small. So like we'll, we'll look at Lone Pine, for example, because they have a production facility in Gorham. Um, I don't know anything about their business. I don't know anybody that works there, but just from my limited experience and knowledge of the industry, I would be very shocked if they had more than 12 people total in production. And that's from canning line operations to cellaring to brewing. Um, and so it's going to be tough to break in, um, especially if you don't have experience. So you might have to start, like I started washing kegs. That's how I got in. And I washed kegs for two weeks straight. That's all I did all day, every day. And then I graduated to stacking boxes at the end of a canning line. And then I graduated to being able to, uh, then they put me into cellaring. So, but I think that cellaring is a different, it also can mean different things at different places. And so what did cellaring mean for me? Like that basically meant that I was taught how to clean tanks and then transfer beer. So I didn't really do any of the dry hopping at the place that I worked at because the brewers would do that. I didn't do any kind of, I basically didn't mess with the liquid other than moving it from one place to another and then cleaning the tank that was empty. So, and then carbonating beers, you know, that is part of cellaring too, but it's not really, it's not very sexy work. It's just literally hook up some gas to a tank. No, that makes sense. So pretty much, you know, if you're looking to get in, you have no experience, you know, do whatever job they're going to offer you, do it well and see where they like you and you can possibly move up because these are small businesses. You know, they like people to be a Swiss army knife. 
Yes. You can do this. You can do that. You can do this. You're more valuable to them and they don't have to train another person. Yeah. I would say also be prepared to not make very much money. Uh, and that's, is not throwing shade at any of the places that I ever worked. It's just the reality of the situation. They're all very small businesses and you know, I think, you know, you can eke out a living, like you're not going to yeah. be, but you're just not going to get rich doing it. Um, but it, I think it also gets outweighed by a lot of positives. Like everywhere that I've worked, there's free product, you know, on offer. So, and so for example, one of the breweries that I worked at was now closed mystic out of Chelsea. I would take, I would take my free four pack that mystic would give me and I would go to other breweries and I would give it to them. And then because I just gave it to them, they most of the time, almost always would just give me my choice. So instead of paying for 17 or $20 for a four pack, I'd take the free beer that I got at mystic and turn it into free beer. Yeah, at other a, places. You get in the nice industry trade. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so the industry is awesome to work in. All the people are really cool. Um, but just like you, you mentioned, you gotta be a Swiss army knife. And then I think it's a lot more physically uh, laborious. You've got to take care of your body. Like, yeah. cause at the end of the day, it is alcohol production, but it's manufacturing. You're just yep. manufacturing a, a drink. You're physically moving raw ingredients, yeah. processed, finished product. Yep. And anybody that's never picked up a keg, a half barrel, if, if, if it's a big enough brewery making them, you know, there's some weight to those things. Yeah. And again, all small businesses. So one of the places that I worked had a vacuum um, machine. So I never had to lift a keg there. I would just hook the keg up and move it around. With the eye. And that was very fortuitous. Other places that I worked, most of the places that I worked did not have something like that. Just going a little hand truck. Not even. Sometimes you're literally lifting the half barrel with your own two hands and you're lifting it up onto a pallet and or off of a pallet. Yep. And, you know, again, like I, I suffered a, a torn bicep tendon. It ripped right off my arm uh, doing not in a brewery, but it was pretty much a result of the repetitiveness. Uh, it's basically, I think it's very, on a very, very similar to any other manufacturing job, you're, you're going to suffer from repetitive injuries unless you take care of yourself. Yep. The repetitive motion is a big one. Any, any kind of job like that, you got to stay stretched, got to limber. And then even that only does so much. I feel like I've harped a lot on the negatives, but again, like the positives is like, so the hours, sometimes you can suffer from some long days, but to me, I, when you love what you do, nine and a half, 10 hours, skipping lunch doesn't really matter because yeah. you're just having such a good time. And it is really cool when you talk to people, it's always one of those cool things like, Hey, what do you do? Cause for those of you who don't know, Alan and I, we used to work at a County jail together. You're not so cool when you're like, Hey, I'm a correctional officer. Everyone's like, Oh yeah. Nobody's excited about that. And the stories they want to hear, you know, they, they want to hear them just because they're like, damn, your life sucks. Yeah. Whereas opposed to working in, you know, the breweries and the cider houses that I've worked in, they're like, Oh, tell me more. Uh, exactly. They're intrigued and they definitely want to try your stuff. And what's cool is you work there. So you're able to give it to them for free. And then, yeah, it's just a good, it, it's one of those cool jobs, you know, you walk into the room and sometimes you're you're just the life of the party because everybody wants to hear what you do, where you do it. They're like, damn, I got to go down there and try that. Especially if, if Chris works someplace, I almostly have to go try it just because I know he kind of has some exacting standards where he can't work some places if he's not going to enjoy the beer, or enjoy the cider. Um gotta be a, a man that loves the product that he's producing yeah so i mean i feel like i could keep going on tangents on this but that that's pretty much all i got i just 
Yeah, I think you answered it well. I think you you covered all the bases there, and and not for nothing, just knowing his story, how he got into his first brewery, it doesn't hurt. Just show up and ask if they need help. Yeah, that's exactly how I got in. I literally walked in, flagged down the guy working in the back, and I was like, "Hey, man, I need a job. You guys need any help?" And he goes, "Yeah, actually, we do." And he gave me the email to send my resume over and that's it it's one of those things you know speak up you never know there's jobs out there for if you want them but it's hard work rewarding work fun work great stories um we'll go with one more question here for chris Uh, i think we've asked him a few you've got some good answers uh we found out some interesting things here so i think the next question i'm going to ask you is what is your favorite beer city in new england Alan, you know the answer. I do know the answer, but the audience does not. Yeah, so it's definitely Portland, Maine. I mean, in my opinion, it. I mean, I I'm not a very well traveled person, so let's that you know, we'll put that out there as like an alibi. That's why I love to New England. Yeah. However, I mean, it's pretty amazing. I don't know the exact number of breweries in the city. I believe it is at least eleven. It might even be well more than that. Yeah, I think it is actually a couple more than that. But just 11, I think, is what I can think of off the top of my head. But oh, don't hold my feet to the fire. Now, there's there's a, and, and when he says 11 too, it's a lot of times 11 breweries you want to go to. Right. So that's, I think, the reason why it's the best city. Because you can one-stop shop right there for all of your beer drinking needs. Now... It's very New England IPA heavy, but basically I always like to work my way from north to south when I go there because I'm from south of Portland, Maine, and so to go furthest and then start working my way back. But you can literally drop, uh, and you know, very big beer nerds will know exactly what I'm talking about. You can go to Industrial Way and you can park in Allagash's parking lot or just right along the road, and you can go to Allagash, Definitive, Austin Street, uh, Battery Steel, and foundation. Yep. And then if you go around the loop at the other end of industrial way, Geary's is there as well. So that's, is that's that six? six right there. Those are, those are not just like everyday breweries. Those are good breweries that you want to try the beer. You want to buy their beer. Yep. And they have something for everybody there. So like Allagash with the, so a lot of people, when they hear Allagash, are like, Oh, Allagash white. But if you've ever been there, there's so much more to them. The- yeah, that I will say too. They're the outlier too in Portland, where you're not just getting IPAs. You're getting like the wild ales. You're getting some special stuff up there that mm. you're not going to really get around some of the local places you're stopping at. Yeah, any of their cool ship stuff is is pretty awesome. And then so now you take off and you go to the south of the city, and you got to drive a little bit more. I would say you'd have to drive to at least three spots and yeah there's there's a couple different stopping points where you can jump around to a few and you got to walk a little further down there yeah but it's still cool so now you know you can go and you stop uh so i just i always just call it fox street because i used to play rugby at the field that's right there uh but i think only a couple of the breweries are actually on fox street but neither here nor there you park in and around the fox street area and you can go to Rising Tide. Austin Street also has a location yep. down there. You got the Urban Farm Fermentary. You have um, now oh, you get Bellflower, Good Fire, yep. um, Lone Pine. Yep. Um, 
I think that's it, right? Yeah, I think that's in that. Well, is, we get Bellflower. Bellflower yeah, is over Bellflower, there too. Bellflower, yep. And then you can walk up the hill and you can go to Oxbow uh, Blending and Bottling. Yep. I don't think that that's their brewery. I think it's just a tap room slash kind of outlet to buy their stuff. But it doesn't matter. Um, you can still get in their beer. Yep. If it's on draft, it, it counts to me. And then uh, Shipyard is not too far away either. Yep. And then also... It's its own little drive in and of itself, but you can stop at, I mean, how could you go to Portland and not stop at Bissell Brothers? You have to stop at Bissell Brothers. Yeah. So I know that that was a pretty much a commercial. We've we've missed a few other ones. You got Mass Landing. You got Liquid Riot out there. You got a lot of places. You get, I mean, so what are we at then? Like 14? Well, we're, we're well over 11 right now. So you, <laughs> you, you were played the prices right, right here to make sure you didn't go over. But yeah, I, I think that's why you said Portland, at least because that's probably one of my favorite places to go as well. Just for the sheer volume of beer, I have probably favorite places that are in different locations. But when you go to Portland, you can just try such a variety from such a different amount of breweries in such a close location. I don't know really where it gets much better than this in uh, New England. Well, yeah. So like exactly. And like so taking where I, I just went to Stowe this this weekend. And it's like, you know, Stowe has like the Alchemist and there's another brewery that I'd never heard of. And I tried for the first time and I was up there idle time and idle time was great. But it's like there's just two. Yeah. You and know, then, and I then mean, there's Stowe Cider. But yeah. And then e- even even Hills Farms did that's that you get a little bit of drive from Stowe for that. Yep. And I don't even know what town that's in. It's. It's in one of those ones out there. I'll tell you, if you're going to Hill Farmstead, from experience, stay in Stowe. Don't stay in some of the hotels closer to Hill Farmstead. We did it. You will regret it, and you will enjoy staying in Stowe far better. Well, yeah, Stowe is a tourist town. But anyway, yeah, so we'll we'll, we'll circle back. It's definitely got to just be Portland for the sheer number of awesome breweries. I would buy a four-pack from any one of them. I would try a beer that I'd never had. Uh, from any one of them and, and more, more than likely uh, end up buying a four pack. Uh, it's just an outstanding one place to go. And then what's even crazier is you just go 20 minutes up the road to Freeport and you've got main beer company. And there's another one up there. I forget, but it's just all it. it yeah. Why wouldn't you? you know, yeah, so. it's, it's one of those places. I, and I'm sure we've missed some place. If we missed it is no knock on that brewery is just, you know, there's that many out there. Well, and let's be real, Alan. I mean, little we have lim- we're operating on limited brain capacity yeah. here. Like, you know, the hair holds the brain waves in, and yeah. we don't have that. Yeah, so. exactly. So, yeah, man. So definitely Portland. That that's what I got to go one stop shop. And I don't know of anywhere else. So here's the thing: is we're showing our regional bias here. I don't know if there's any other places that are like Portland in other areas. I I don't know either. I know I know New England. We you got a few arguments. You got Portland. People will argue Burlington. People argue Boston. Um, I just tell you just the density in Portland is is what I like. But if you tell me you're going to blindfold me and drop me off at any one of these beer cities in New England, I'm not going to be disappointed where you put me. Yeah. Yep. I think we're definitely one of the best in the country up here. So. Yeah. So that's a great interview, Chris. I really appreciate all the questions you answered. I think everybody learned a little bit. Um, and Speaking to that, I think we're going to use some of Chris's knowledge in the future, answer some of your questions. If you ever have a beer you want us to try, a question you want to ask, definitely shoot it in the comments. We're on all the f- social media. Yep. So follow us on Instagram, Facebook. Uh, primarily right now, you can find the podcast on Spotify. I think we're on a couple of other ones like Google and the like, but 
yeah, pretty much on Spotify. Uh, just also another shout out. I'd like to thank Patrick Quinn again for our logo. I'd like to thank Kevin Sullivan for the intro and outro music. Thank you very much. Yeah, and just thanks for everybody that's answered our questions trying to get this going. Um, look forward to seeing our ugly faces on video in one of the future episodes and going forward. All right, man, we out. Let's hit that outro music.